I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and you're listening to Fit the Mission. If you're a city dweller, or maybe just someone who loves to explore the Bay Area's open spaces, you've likely run into a closed gate, blocked parking lots, and other obstacles keeping you from the great outdoors during the shelter-in-place. After the first weekend of sheltering in place, it was clear that we don't have enough trails and beaches for everybody who wanted to get out of their homes. So the federal, state, and local governments closed a variety of areas to all the most local residents. As the region eyes reopening, now these parks may be the first places to see an onslaught of visitors. So where is it safe to venture and what remains closed? The Chronicle has an exclusive list at sfchronicle.com that was put together by our legendary outdoors writer, Tom Steenstra, who is with me today. Tom, this is your first time on Fifth Emission. I cannot believe it. You know, some people on vacation go to Alaska. I go to San Francisco. <laughs> That's the only time we get to see you in the newsroom, <laughs> and now we don't even get that. You are, you are just the most amazing outdoorsman and probably, I don't know, the most famous one I know of in California for sure and probably the entire West Coast. I read in your bio today you've hiked more than 25,000 miles, and this is probably an old bio, so that's probably not quite as many as you actually have. So what are you doing to get outside during this shelter in place? The outdoors can set you free. All the things I love to do, you can do no matter where you are. Hike, bike, fish, boat, wildlife watch, use photographs in the outdoors. I mean, all those things are available right in your backyard. You know, I wrote a column saying you can turn your backyard into your own wildlife paradise so you never have to leave. And uh, doesn't matter where you live, the outdoors can set you free. I live in San Francisco. I cannot go fishing in my backyard. I know that for a fact. But there are places near us that are still open. And you've done this amazing map um, that we have on sfchronicle.com. If um, anyone can't find it, you can go under the navigation bar to in-depth. And it's one of the first things we did. How did you pull this together? It's my life. I've been to every single park and recreation destination in the greater Bay Area region. 350 sites. So it wasn't that hard for me to pull that together in a master list and then go through and list what's open, what's closed. It's parks, open space reserves, wildlife areas, boat launches, you name it. A place that you want to go is on this list. What, what places do you like going to that are still open and not being overrun by visitors. Well, you might be surprised. You said you can't go fishing in San Francisco. As of today, you can. The San Francisco Health Department just allowed party boats to start fishing trips for salmon and halibut and striped bass on the bay and out the Golden Gate. In San Francisco, that's you can't beat it. You get on a boat, the whole world opens up in front of you. And if you can ride a bike or, or uh, get a ride to the coast, all along the San Francisco waterfront is the Golden Gate National Recreation Area. Now, they've closed parking in these areas for out-of-town residents. But if you can ride a bike or walk to get there or get dropped off, you can have a lot of this place to yourself. So you're not going stir-crazy like the rest of us. You are definitely a glass-half-full kind of guy. I kind of, I always have to have something to look forward to. The moment I don't have something to look forward to, 
my whole world looks different. It's a great trick. I always have something coming up in the near future, in the long future, and in the Bay Area. The whole place is being transformed right now with new openings. And what what reaction are you getting from people for this map? Because I know at um, at the first weeks of the shelter in place, we discussed uh, via email some of the um, unhappy readers, let's say, that we were getting because we had a list of what was still open. And, you know, to me, that seemed like the best reader service in the world. However, you have to give a lot of empathy to people who were scared at the amount of visitors that descended, I think, particularly on the Headlands and the San Mateo coast. Are you getting good reaction from this map? Absolutely. The Great Outdoors Tracker, again, it establishes, identifies, and maps 350 recreation destinations that you can go to. Most people... Right now, if you were to write down every park you can think of, every lake you know, every wildlife area, every boat ramp, how many would you come up with? I've done this in rooms and had people come up where it's tough to get more than 10. On this list, we have 350. You can find something right now that you can go to and set yourself free. And what do you, what do you, tell the people who are in these areas that are still being inundated. I I know, um, you know, I had a chance to drive up the coast uh, during, during the early days of this pandemic. And I saw signs everywhere from people who were living in these smaller communities. And they said, stay home, get out (laughs) of here, go away. It is not always a welcoming environment if you go somewhere else. I know. Bolinas actually put town closed. (laughs) uh, Well, they're they're known for doing things like that in Bolinas. It's it's real interesting. The way the reopening of parks and outdoor recreation sites is occurring is the places on the coast, especially in San Mateo County and Marin County and Sonoma County, they're opening last. All the state parks and national parks, parking and the roads into the parks are still closed. Most of the beaches are not open to out-of-towners. And um, instead, look inland. In the East Bay parks, there's roughly 50 parks are open on the peninsula. San Mateo County reopened 13 of its 23 parks And the uh, Mid Peninsula Open Space District has all of its open space preserves open, 26 of them. So there's always some place to go. In Marin County, just this week, they reopened 35 open space preserves. That's a lot of openings. When when you go to these areas, do you see a lot of people there? Are they all wearing masks? Are they social distancing? That's a real problem for me because since I do travel... Um, I always wear a mask. I always keep a handkerchief around my neck. I always practice social distancing. I do everything possible to do the right thing. All I ask is that other people do the same. In a lot of places, we're not seeing it. We're not seeing it at boat ramps. We're not seeing it at staging areas for trails. Um, There's areas where people have met in parking lots to go on a hike together like it's a social event. And that's not really what parks and the outdoors is best for. And so, yes, I think people really need to do a stop and recheck to make sure they're doing the right thing. 
I'm speaking with outdoors writer Tom Steenstra about the open spaces that are slowly opening in the Bay Area. I want to take a quick break and be back and talk to you about camping and the national park specifically. We'll be right back after this. Tom, before we took that break, we were talking about the slow reopening of open spaces. And it, it's very difficult for me to follow because there's so many different organizations and governments that have authority over this. But one of the things that seems to be very consistent is I can't find a lot of campsites that are open. And it's we're looking at Memorial Day weekend and not going camping. That just seems like almost un-American to me. When are campgrounds going to reopen? It's kind of like the domino effect. The first to open are the RV parks in the rural North State. They started opening about two weeks ago. And uh, the first one I called, McLeod RV, they opened on May 1st. And uh, that's kind of how it is in the outskirts of California, where you see these privately operated RV parks that have permission from their counties, where there's none or few, very few cases. They're reopening. The next to open will be the National Forest Sites. In Northern California, there's about 600 Forest Service camps, campgrounds in 18 national forests. National forests are incredible because they encompass 19 million acres of land in California, and the campgrounds are all lakes, trailheads, and streams. So in a lot of ways, they're the perfect destination, but they're not national parks or state parks. They're a lot more rustic, more rural. You tend not to have showers, and uh, it's all based around the outdoor experience. These are going to start opening, I think, in about a week or so in uh, the begin end of May, early June, and a slow rollout that extends for a couple weeks. So we can, uh, we can anticipate that people who already had um, reservations for those campgrounds will still be able to go if they want to. But probably, you, I, I would guess if you're looking for something to do, a lot of those reservations are probably going to be full. Well, this is definitely a changing time. RV, RV campers who are self-contained have a real advantage right now. Clusters of tents are something that they're not looking forward to that happening. A lot of Forest Service rangers tell me they may put limits on people at the number of sites at every campground. When you evolve this out farther, you see that state parks and national parks which sell out at their, their most popular sites for the summer. It's hard to say when they're going to open. Certainly no dates have been announced. In Yosemite, two years ago, they had 5 million people in one year. In Yosemite Valley, there can be 20,000 people in five square miles. That's why the parks still close. They can't let that happen again. And a lot of our state parks, especially the most popular ones, it's a very similar scenario, and they just have to avoid the, the chance for any kind of clustering, especially in the campgrounds. I, I was going to ask you specifically about Yosemite because we've written a lot about how the bus system was uh, strained under how many people. The last time I went to Yosemite Valley, I thought I was in Disneyland. There were so many people, and it really kind of takes away from your experience of going to Yosemite. Is it possible that some of these more popular national parks we won't see open until there's a vaccine? Or do you think that there's still a chance that Yosemite will open this summer? 
Well, I think what we're seeing is how managers are adapting rules to make it work. Look at what they're doing uh, in the party boats. They're going to start reopening this weekend, and that's by limiting passenger counts to about 9 to 12 per boat and making sure that the rods are at least six feet apart on the back of the boat. I could see some new quotas taking effect at national parks and state parks. There's a way to open the parks and yet not endanger people. And you do it by limiting how many people are in so many spaces. And I think that's what we'll see. I don't think leaving these places closed completely is an answer for a lot of them. And plus, um, a good example for state parks is like Big Sur. They've lost a lot of money this year by not having the campgrounds open at Big Sur. And uh, that's always a factor, too, for parks and how they operate with their funding. Yeah, I, I was reading a story about Yellowstone, and it, it was really interesting because there are two entrances that are going to open up soon, but the Montana entrance to Yellowstone is not going to empty up, uh, open up. And it seems like these these national parks are also dealing with state regulations, and there's, there's a lot of red tape to cut through in order to figure out um, if you're going to be able to take that trip this summer that you had planned on. That's for sure. And I'll tell you, there is a pent up demand and desire to bust loose. Everybody's feeling it. I mean, I just uh, went out and just started walking and I went 10 miles before I made it back. I just had to get out there. A lot of people feel exactly the same. And that's why uh, you see them everywhere. In the North State, uh, we've seen license plates from six, seven different states when it's supposed to be shelter-in-place, stay-at-home order. And yet, uh, at our national parks, the most desirable outdoor destinations in the world, how they open that up is going to be one of the real studies in time and how they deal with this. And it seems to me the only answer is a quota system where they guarantee only so many people are in so many places. In Yosemite Valley, that could make it one of the most desirable trips of a lifetime. That, that is true. I mean, what when people email you and say, on one hand, there's a shelter in place and I'm told not to go anywhere. On the other hand, these, these wonderful sites are opening and saying we're open for business. Should people take a trip to McLeod or to the, or to Yosemite Valley or anywhere else? Or should we still like just let those um, remain for people who live in, in Groveland or, or whatever? I, I have a real, I have a real problem with people saying, you know, the people in the city should stay in the city because just stay home because, you know, I feel like just because I live in a city, I should be able to enjoy our national treasures too. But you know, how do you, how do you tell people to balance those two pressures? You just hit a bullseye. I can't tell you that is so perfect. There's two answers to that. Number one, when you're out, do the right thing. The people who live out in the country, they don't mind people from the city. It's the behavior. They don't care where, where you're from. They care how you behave, behave correctly, do the right thing, wear a mask, keep your distance. And they're fine with you. The same is true with travel. You know, one thing I've done in my career is, and it all started, it's where I took an airplane flight and learned how to fly, looked down, and when I looked around the Bay Area, I saw that 95% of the people were in 5% of the areas, and everybody clusters in the same small places. 
My whole thing is to become a member of the 5% Club. Bust out, find new places, and the whole world can transform how it is to you. That's true for a summer vacation. If you, uh, instead of a national park, go to a national forest. And then when you're in the forest, drive in and bust loose to one of the 190 lakes that don't have boat ramps that you can reach with a four-wheel drive like an SUV. If you bring your camping equipment, throw a kayak on top, you can create your own paradise at one of these little lakes in National Forest. That's what I do. So you're making me feel like I need to go outside right now, but I have two last questions for you. The first is, and you wrote about this, I believe this week, or maybe it was last, but the wildlife. The wildlife is going amok now that all of us people are staying inside our house. What's going to happen to the wildlife once we return to the parks and forests? I just wrote a column with two experts on that yesterday, and it's real interesting. The behavior of the wildlife, especially deer, bears, coyotes, and mountain lions, depends on how the people behave when they re-enter the parks. Right now, what's happened is that these, these animals don't have people food to eat, so they have reverted to eating the food that their nature intended them to eat. It's fantastic. They're not looking for garbage. They're not looking for cat food, dog food, or things that people leave out. They're reverting to the way that their genetics created them for millions of years. Now, when people go back into the parks, if they can keep their food safe and secure, if they can keep their litter thrown and secure in animal-proof bins, what will happen is the animals will become wild animals again. It'll completely change the experience for people seeing animals in the wild. You also mentioned in that column that in Yosemite, by this time, we would have had several bears fatally struck on the roads, but that hasn't happened this year because there are no people on the roads. Yeah, I even put a bumper sticker. I made it uh, because of Yosemite, and it says, slow down, enjoy the country life. And if you see a white truck with that bumper sticker, you know it's me. Up to 15 to 30 bears get hit a year in Yosemite from speeding drivers. You know what? This year there hasn't been any. Ranger friends of mine tell me that when they do reopen the park, even if they have a quota system, you're going to see radar everywhere. The rangers are going to try to keep everybody slowing down. Well, that would that would definitely be nice. The last question, I, I know you've seen these photos of the beaches, particularly in Southern California, that have just become overcrowded and people don't seem like they're staying six feet apart. If if I want to go outside, but I'm concerned about that, how how do I do if I show up and there's too many people, should I just leave? Is that the answer or is it inevitable that we're going to have this push and pull about some of the more popular spaces getting overcrowded and needing to be thinned by law enforcement? No, there's always a place out there that you can call your own. You know, people go to the beach in San Francisco. You might go to Ocean Beach and every single parking spot is jammed. But what if you go out of Oyster Point, excuse me, out of Muscle Rock, the north end of Daly City, from, from, from Muscle Rock north to Fort Funston, it's five miles of wide open beach where there isn't anybody. It's like there's always a way to find a place you can call your own. 
Same's true at the Marin Headlands. The Fisherman's Trail goes down to Black Sand Beach. There's usually just a handful there or a lot of little beaches like that all along the coast. I wish I could take everybody for a ride in a small airplane and show them what the Bay Area looks like from the air where you look down and see all these places that are off the radar. They're out there. You have to do a little bit of detective work, but you can make a, make a place that feels just like your own. You know, every time I'm in a plane, I always reflect on how smart the, the fathers who designed the Bay Area and protected its open space. We really did do a great job in Northern California of protecting a large amount of open space for all of the people who live here. And, and that's really, I don't know, that's what makes living in Northern California so great, I think. Yeah, you know, the outdoors tracker that we developed has 350 sites in the greater Bay Area that are that are made for outdoor recreation. How many can most people name? This is an answer. It's an answer on a three-day weekend, and it's an answer for the coming summer. And once you start to see the whole other world that's out there, it can be an answer for your whole life. The outdoors can really set you free, but you've got to join the 5% Club. You can't just go to the 95% of the spots that everybody goes to. That's awesome. Now you have inspired me to work the rest of the day outdoors and watch this robin I have building her nest. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Tom. And we'll see you out there. Enjoy your wilderness. I'd like to thank outdoors writer Tom Steenstra for being with me today. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.